Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here. I hope you will subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyotsuka.com. You are listening to ADHD for Smartass Women, and my purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. In the thousands of ADHD women that I have had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that was not truly brilliant at something, not one. So today we have a wonderful guest, so let's not waste any time. Let's just jump right in. I'm going to tell you a little story. So several months ago, our guest sent me an email where she shared her ADHD diagnoses. She also shared this little tidbit. This is what she said. I have always been the kind of person that watches a movie, a book, or a TV show two to five times or until I fully understand whatever it is that is in front of me. I am a jack of all trades. I love learning anything that I want to be educated on. I will study harder and longer than the student next to me and in front of me, but I cannot take tests. Fortunately for me, I got accepted into college because of my extracurricular activities. I have so many interests and I am the most resilient individual you will ever meet. I graduated from Towson University with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration with a concentration in entrepreneurship and a double minor in communications and metals, metals, art, jewelry, if that is an ADHD. In my sophomore year of college, I almost didn't get into the business school because I couldn't pass the online computer test. I retook the class four times, and I'll never forget my father saying to me, Jules, maybe the business school isn't for you. Sure enough, it took me four times to pass. This is a repeat situation in my life. I studied to get my real estate exam, and I couldn't fathom not passing, so I paid $150 12 times to pass that exam. I didn't care how much it cost. I owed it to myself to pass that exam. I read Dr. Hallowell's book. I'm assuming Jules is talking about ADHD 2.0. I read his book about a dozen times. 
I took your free program, Five Days to Fall in Love with Your ADHD Brain, and I am now the proud owner of a 160-page ADHD user's manual that I've created. Oh my gosh, 160 pages. Just so you all know, this is a free program that I run a couple of times a year. We just did one last week, and our students walk away with a one-page user's manual. So this is a total overachiever here. And there are a lot more examples that Juliana cited in this email, but we have to stop somewhere. So for all of these reasons, I am just delighted to introduce you to Juliana Hawk. Juliana grew up in Baltimore County, Maryland. Entrepreneurship has always been a passion for her. She started her first business all the way back in elementary school. After college, Juliana earned her Maryland real estate agent license, and she is now a member of the Greater Baltimore Board of Real Estate. She currently balances work as a realtor with work as the director of admissions at a large skilled nursing facility. She is one of 37 cousins in her very large but close-knit family. She is an avid hiker and loves to spend her time exploring the East Coast's national parks, working out at the gym, and being with those she loves. Juliana's purpose is to motivate women to feel good in their own skin and to inspire ADHD women to live their best life today. Juliana, did I get all that right? Yes. (laughs) I didn't miss anything, at least not yet, huh? You did perfect. Uh, So can I ask you, how old are you? I'm 28. 28. Okay. And can you tell me that first business that you started back in elementary school, what was it? I ran a restaurant with my cousins. It was a fake business, but uh, I used real money. Um, I was in charge of making sure all of my cousins were doing their job to make sure our fake restaurant customers were pleased. (laughs) Um, But my real first business was I made jewelry and I sold it at swim meets. I had to be in the fifth or the sixth grade. (laughs) So can we start, I want to talk about a bunch of other things, certainly your resilience, but can we start by talking about your ADHD diagnoses first? Sure. I was diagnosed at a young age Um, In the third grade, my uh, teachers called my mom in for student uh, teacher conference with my mom. Um, All three of my teachers were sitting at a desk, and my mom was sitting in front of them at another desk. And they said, look at the four pencils on the desk in front of you. They said, do you recognize, do you notice that none of those pencils have an eraser? and they said, your daughter has a learning problem. And my mom just said, what do you mean? Like, is something wrong with her? Is she going to be okay? Is my daughter healthy? And they just said, yeah, she's fine. She's just going to take a while to do her homework. So I was diagnosed at a young age. Um, Nothing was really done about it until I took uh, five days to fall in love with your ADHD brain, and I was diagnosed by a psychiatrist. Um, and that's the moment that changed my life. So I'm curious about the pencils. What did the pencils have to do with your, you know, learning challenge or your ADHD? Uh, so they were full-size pencils and the er- eraser was completely gone. Um, I just took a really long time to do my work. Um, I guess that's perfectionism at a young age. 
I would just do the work and then I guess I didn't like and I would erase it and then I don't know I just that's a good question I just do a lot of erasing and so that's what they saw as a problem yes so your tenacity started in well it started well before third grade it sounds like yes Okay, so what were some of the symptoms that you noticed at that time as a child? Do you remember them? Yes. I just couldn't understand school. And I, but the interesting thing is, I never wanted to miss school because I would be so, so nervous I would miss an exam and then I would fail the t- like class or whatever it was. And at a young age, I, I remember looking at the girl's paper next to me because I just couldn't understand the material. Um, my reading comprehension was terrible. At a young age, I was, kids would call me, I was fat. Uh, that was uncomfortable. I just had a baby fat until like the fifth grade and I got made fun of for that. So that definitely wasn't fun. Um, those are what I can remember off the top of my head. So even though you struggled so much in school, did you enjoy school or because it sounds like you just love to learn? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I love school. Oh, my gosh. I love talking to people. I love I love making people feel good. I love playing games and sports. I was never really amazing at sports, but I loved participating any club, any group setting, I was a part of very social, um, had very many friends in different groups. So I never really was part of one friend group that I was part of so many small friend groups. And also I swam competitively in the uh, starting elementary school. So I always balance life, school and swimming. So you didn't struggle with social issues. You had a good group of friends and you felt like you understood social cues. Oh, you did. Okay. I'm going to tell you, it it doesn't make sense when I'm about to say what I'm about to say. I am the extreme introvert, but I'm also the extreme extrovert. As in, I get nervous to get to a crowd of people, but I'm, when I see, when I'm there, I will talk to every single person in the room. I will introduce myself. Yes, I will. I'm that person. But I get so, like, I love being by myself. I love it. And also, I overthink people's opinions of me. That's when I I never really felt like I fit in growing up. Because, yeah, my mental part as a kid was definitely struggling. But my mom says she didn't know that. My mom says I didn't struggle, but I know deep down I did struggle. So can I ask you, uh, Juliana, you were really nervous to go. But then once you were there and you were chatting with everybody, did you love being there? Or were you so, yes. were you chatting because you were so uncomfortable? Oh, no. I'm so happy to be there. I learned now that I'm 28 that... I used to compare myself to this standard that didn't even exist. So I would say like, Oh, you're not pretty enough. Like, Oh, like this is a terrible outfit. Or like, I would just 
overthink my ability and like my self-worth. Fortunately, I no longer do that. And that's something I am really proud of. As well, you should be just because we think it doesn't mean it's true, huh? (laughs) Yes, at 100%. So what happened? What changed with your mindset that you were finally able to realize that, "Mm, nah, that's not true, just because I think it's not true? Uh, Self-perception and changing the dialogue, the internal dialogue that you have with yourself. And I owe that to cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. which means you evaluate your emotions and your feelings and like the whole formulation method of this is how I feel now. And this is what a result, this is later as a result of that. So just really thinking about a situation before I react. And that's another thing with ADHD is impulsivity. And also an over-evaluation of feelings and RSD. And there's just a lot that goes into that. So when did you start cognitive behavioral therapy? How old were you? 28. And it was a result of taking five days to fall in love with your ADHD brain that I felt comfortable enough to normalize therapy and I was fighting therapy my whole life because I just didn't like how impersonal it was fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. And then working in healthcare during the pandemic, I said, I waved my hands in the air and I said, I can't do this myself. I need help and I'm not afraid to admit it. So I, started therapy. And that's where uh, cognitive behavioral therapy came in. It was a something that was taught to me. That is wonderful. So what you're telling us is this is recent, and it's made such a huge difference in how you feel about yourself, your self-esteem. Um, I'm sure your confidence, right? Yes, it was my 28th birthday. It was my birthday gift to myself for my 28th birthday in April to start therapy. I can't imagine a better birthday gift. I know, right? Absolutely. So, okay, so let's back up a second. Maybe you said it and I wasn't, you know, I'm ADHD. I didn't quite pay attention. Um, So when exactly were you diagnosed with ADHD? I was diagnosed when I was in the third grade. Oh, that's then. You told me that. So I've known my whole life I've had ADHD. Mm-hmm. Also, wait, I want to answer your question and then I want to say a comment. Then I was formally diagnosed uh, combined type when I was 28. And um, after, that was after taking five days to fall in love with your ADHD brain. Um, one of the sections the first day was to check all your symptoms. Um, I'm pretty sure I checked off like 28 out of 30 boxes and yep. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even realize there could be a combined type. This is a lot to digest. And that's honestly, that is a lot of symptoms to manage. If there's nine for each symptoms for each ADHD and I have about 18 symptoms, wonderful. But I knew my whole life I have had ADHD because my father, who is undiagnosed, He 100% has ADHD, uh, but he is hyperactive. Um, And 
he, so he basically can't sit still and uh, he's very impulsive um, very aggressive but very loving man and I love him <laughs> he's uh one of my very best friends as well so what has changed? I mean, I know, okay, you were diagnosed when you were three, but it sounds like you did nothing with it. Nobody knew what to do with it. And in truth, usually what is done is you're just handed a prescription, right? And that is never enough. So I'm curious, since you've been basically re-diagnosed and now you know it's combined type and it's only been a couple months, what has changed? Is there anything other than the fact that you finally realized you know, I need therapy and you were introduced to cognitive behavioral therapy. Is there like, what else has changed? Freedom. What do you mean by that? I would absolutely say freedom. Um, I'm just fortunate that I was uh, able to recognize and acknowledge my symptoms. I think the hard part is acknowledging your symptoms. Like we all know our symptoms, but to say I have this, and I need help working towards it, or this symptom is, uh, could possibly kill me. You know, it's. Uh, what do you mean by freedom? Uh, just being able to use my ADHD symptoms to my advantage and to clearly understand that there is nothing wrong with me. Nothing. Not one thing. Yeah. And I have ADHD and these are my symptoms. And being able to acknowledge these symptoms, I've been able to manage my ADHD so much better. And another good one is taking the right medication, therapy, you know, doing what is needed to manage those symptoms and to also understand that not one person is the same, which also means there is not one ADHD -er that is the same. But I've con uh, really connected with like a handful of people on your podcast, especially connecting with you, Tracy, where I see so much of myself and you guys that it's been really helpful. Also, the support of mentors that also have ADHD who I genuinely trust. And that's also just granting permission to allow yourself to try new things that could possibly benefit you. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I wonder in the freedom too, and I think you kind of alluded to this, but the sense that, okay, we've got weaknesses. All we hear about are the weaknesses, but guess what? Because of those weaknesses, we also have these amazing opposing strengths like creativity, right? Because we're impulsive. Did that help you with this whole freedom idea as well? 100%. Mm -hmm. Anything else that's changed? Since my diagnosis, um, yes. Uh, how much time do we have? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the next thing from my diagnosis is uh, my food behavior. I started seeing a food behavior caseworker in April um, for binge eating and never in my life would I ever say could I say oh my gosh through managing my 
binges, I've allowed my brain to think about other things. And I've allowed now my brain is allowed to focus on other things and create other things because I was so focused on food and exercising and also like I was such an extreme endurance athlete which I still am but I would go just do some long distance runs swim whatever you name it hikes and it was like I just never felt good enough and then when I finally accepted you know the more acceptance I had within myself which doesn't happen overnight but um and also just loving yourself but genuinely loving yourself um, but so food therapy was like the best thing for me because just over evaluation of your shape, uh, shape checking, um, over exercising, mm-hmm. just having these standards in yourself, um, criticism killed me. That's what RSD just murdered me, you know, just over, you know, some people don't know what boundaries are and they'd say something to me really hurtful learning you know to work go through those things have also changed another thing since my diagnosis I'm now on a 10 milligram anxiety medication I'm not sure if I want to be on it long term but that's another mm-hmm. I really feel like it's helping me um because I working through healthcare and the pandemic uh, really messed up my mind yeah. I can't I couldn't sleep at night thinking about everything so the medication that they put you on is it Vyvanse or what are you on for um your yes it is Vyvanse and I love it when I was in college I on my last semester of college my primary doctor I said hey I have a hard time focusing in class Uh, and she said you oh you have ADD it's common gave me 10 milligram instant release Adderall twice a day I was like oh great let me try this Oh my gosh, once you get the right medications, game changer. I feel so much more myself. I am so thrilled. Um, well, and you have a doctor I'm... help you, right? You're not just yeah. <laughs> taking, you know, medication that a friend's like, hey, here, try this. Because like you said, we're all so different. And I, I kind of figured it might be Vivance because you had talked about uh, binge eating. Mm. And that's a common yes. one that they, uh, they, they prescribe for those of us who, you know, overthink food. Oh, and the other thing I did is reach out to our ADHD for Smart Ass Women Facebook group and asked about um, hormones and birth control. And I've got, I got a lot of great feedback. And it turns out I have PMDD, which I um, get very emotional 10 days before my menstrual. And I'm now starting a birth control that gives you the same dose of estrogen each day. And I'm so excited to try it. I think it will really help with um, mood. And also another great benefit to Vivance for me personally is my moods are so much better so much better. And I'm so grateful for that. Wow. So just so our PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And um, what we do talk about in five days is how hormones are directly related to our symptoms. And that week um, during ovulation, the week before your period is when your estrogen levels drop. And this is for um, 
neurotypical women, as well as, you know, women with ADHD. But you can imagine if their estrogen is dipping, what is ours doing? We get like a double whammy. So I just wanted to make sure that um, our audience knows what PMDD is. So we often hear that those with ADHD, that we're just really resilient. And it makes sense. You know, when you struggle over and over again, whether it's because of a learning challenge at school or social problems, um, ADHD, you either develop learned helplessness and you get so flattened by it all, or you develop grit. You know, you are no longer afraid of failing because you failed so many times that you start to learn that, hey, maybe failure is actually the best teacher I could ever have. But you, dear Juliana, are literally the poster child of resilience and grit. Where did you get this from? Where did it come from? I just have to take a moment for myself to such so thank you for the compliment. Um, it's so nice to be recognized, um, first, just how hard I worked, um, throughout my life, just, I wanted, I I wanted to not finish college so bad because it was so hard for me, so hard for me, and, um, I said, I, I, I actually said, like, I'd rather die than give up. I'd rather give up trying, die trying. And it's, um, and I'll tell you where I learned it. Um, just some real, just having a good support group and, um, the one to be the, the drive of wanting to be the best version of yourself. That's where for me, every single day I wake up and I say to myself, Best day ever. My boyfriend wants to kill me every morning. Not really, but I just say, best day ever, best day ever. Let's go have the best day ever. And it's just having that mindset of like, let's just go have some fun. And, you know, let's just make this some fun. And that's, you know, that's ADHD for you. You know, it's so interesting because when you really think about it, we shouldn't have this tenacity. We shouldn't have this drivenness because oftentimes, especially for someone like you who struggled so mightily in school, you're constantly getting the door slammed in your face. But for some reason, there's something about you and a lot of ADHDers that that almost drives you harder. They are not going to let, they're they're not going to, you know, get me down. They are not going to let me, they're not going to slam that door in my face. I am going to figure out a workaround. Yes. And uh, my, another, what my next response is self-discovery. I, uh, every time I'm done an assignment, anytime I'm done a race, anytime I'm done a conversation, even a Zoom call um, with a client interaction um, with family, I always take a moment to myself to say, what went wrong? How can I do better? I take a note to write down what was said, I write every, I have little mental notes with myself. And I love hiking long distance. Um, I actually, we just went to New Hampshire, my pop and my sister, we hiked up Mount Washington. And that self-discovery, you know, pushing yourself to limits a normal person wouldn't want to go to, but 
I thrive off of that because nothing about me is normal. So going outside the box is for sure where my heart lies. Um, Can I ask you, Juliana, this strategy that you have to pause before you're going to impulsively jump into something and to really consider, okay, you know, what is it that I really want? And then after it's done to debrief, that is, you know, ADHD coaching 101. You know, our impulsivity causes us to just sort of run through things and just keep going, right? And never really taking the time to pause and consider, okay, uh, do I really want to do this? Is it connected to my intention? But then once it's done, okay, what happened? And how could we do it better? And you clearly do that. So my question for you is, did this come about because of cognitive behavioral therapy or were you always like this? Um, it was uh, neither. Um, <laughs> it was actually a result of identifying that I have RSP. Um, the moment I understood how debilitating my RSD is and was. Let, let's I tell our listeners what we're talking about. So it's, <laughs> um, it's called rejection sensitive dysphoria. And it is um, obviously the sense of rejection that um, can be Rejection since I'm trying to remember there's a Greek word for oh dysphoria, which I guess means just so incredibly painful. Like it's physically painful for a lot of people who suffer from RSD. So I'm sorry, but I know people always say, well, you you say these acronyms and we don't know what they are. I just assume everybody knows at this point, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But understanding that I have RSD and understanding it is debilitating for me it will leave me hung up on the wall for hours and it will take all of my energy and acknowledging I have this and I'm not afraid to say it because I've been able to move on with my life but also to answer another uh, your other question is I hate not knowing something I just felt like when I was all growing up, I just felt like not stupid. My mom said that when I was growing up, everyone said how kind I was and how caring I was. So I had other strengths than being smart and being in the GP class, knowing all these languages. Um, uh, so I always felt like I was treated like I was stupid in an airhead. So I just hated not knowing something. So anything I know at this point in my life, I've taught myself. Um, I will teach myself absolutely anything. I hate not knowing something. And I read books all the time, audio books. I'm always listening to something. Because it's like, I feel like you can't advance yourself any more than listening or reading about experts who are expert on the topic. So you're an autodidact. Do you think that that is the best way you learn is by teaching yourself? Good question. I think that I don't know. I can't answer your question because that's all I know since I've graduated. Yes, I would say I I can't answer your question because I've always just taught myself. Mm. 
So it sounds like that that probably is your best way of learning. That's your workaround. Oh my gosh, I have to tell you something. I hope uh, no one will tell anybody. I guess we are on air, but my loving boyfriend helped me take my um, real estate continuing education class, uh, which, as uh, you mentioned, I can't, uh, I'm very terrible at taking exams. I always have and I always will be, even if I study more than anyone else in the class, I will still fail. Even if I do everything, I won't, I never partied in college. I never went out. I always head in, sat in and did my work. Anyways, um, my boyfriend read the questions to me. And then instead of reading out A, B, C of the answers, he said the answers in a different scenario. And I answered every single question correctly. So he basically reworded the confusing answers, and I got every question right. Um, so I do believe that I am audio. So what you're saying is when you heard them, mm-hmm. you could answer the questions, but when you looked at them, that's when you struggled. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been tested for <laughs> dyslexia? No. But I think I would love to get tested for dyslexia, considering, mm. you know, it is on the small scale. Yeah. Um, uh, on also speaking about audio, um, I wanted to share this with our listeners. I do do audio journaling. I do audio recording, audio uh, read emails. Uh, I teach myself everything through saying it. Through listening? Through listening? Yeah. Okay. You need to go read up about dyslexia because I just want to tell you, having just gone through all of this with my son, we've been asking Mm -hmm. about dyslexia since he was a small child. And uh, no, no, no. Look, he's too smart. He reads, you know, oh, it just, it's heartbreaking to me. So I think it's 40%. I always get the statistic mixed up. So I'm just going to say that a high percentage of those of us with ADHD also have dyslexia and vice versa. So before I ask you the next question, I was asking you about how you've just learned how to pause and debrief. And you said you didn't learn that through cognitive behavioral therapy. Where did you learn that? When did you start doing that? When I learned about RSD, because I just said to myself, I'm so annoyed at getting annoyed with certain people and like they don't even like these people don't think before they speak but they're very loving and they're very sweet and they just get me upset Mm. so when I I, acknowledging like I have RSD and I know they're gonna upset me and I know they don't mean what they're saying to me but my gosh like it's debilitating so understanding going into a situation like just to already say I'm going to be calm and that's when I because I will like I was mentioning I will like get upset and I will fight for myself and I will stick up for myself and I so now what I do is I I set the boundary these are my values uh, through cortography these are my values this is what I stand for and I these values I have in front of me are not moving. So we can either like it and be my friend 
or you can agree to disagree with me because these are things about myself that are in place and are non-negotiable. Oh my God, I love it. You've set boundaries. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay, so I want to tell you a quick story. You may have heard of it. You may have heard of this gentleman before, but Malcolm Gladwell, I love Malcolm Gladwell. He's written a bunch of books. I think um, one of my favorites is Outliers, but he also wrote a book called- Yes, yes. Yeah, you know it, right? Mm -hmm. He wrote a book called David and Goliath, where he explored the role of adversity in shaping our lives. And this ties right back into dyslexia. So one of his chapters is about dyslexia. And as I had mentioned, a huge percentage of dyslexic are also ADHD. And so in this book, he tells the story of Brian Grazer, who struggled so much in school. He would get Fs and Ds. And if he was lucky, he'd get, you know, maybe one C or two. And so what he learned how to do, he reminds me of you. He learned how to plan and strategize before every test, even in elementary school. He started this. And then what he would do is he would challenge every single one of his grades. And I think he started doing that in high school. And that's how he got through college. And he got so good at it because he would just wear the professors down. And so I I did the same thing. You did? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. I figured that. So. By the way, Brian Grazer, for the past 30 years, he's been one of the most successful movie producers in Hollywood. And he doesn't know because of what happened in, you know, elementary school, high school and college. He doesn't know how to take no for an answer. I feel the same way. So, okay, Um, I figured you would. And um My son was also home for the second half of the summer, and he was bored. So like you, he decided to study for a New York State real estate license. And I told him about you, and I told him about how many times you had to take this test. No, don't say that. Listen to what he said. He's like, do you think she's going to make a very good realtor? And I'm like, are you nuts? This woman doesn't give up. She doesn't take no for an answer. She is such a hard worker. She's going to kill it. I would hire her in a heartbeat. So I want to know, what about you and your ADHD makes you so good at what you do? Because I can tell you're good. I can tell your heart. I can tell your tenacity. I can just tell that you just don't give up ever. Um, Compassion. Ah, talk to me about that. Being passionate. And I told my sister yesterday on my way to work, I'm so grateful for having feelings and I am so grateful for having wants, needs and desires because I have feelings and I love, you know, like trying new things and being creative and seeing what like sets my heart on fire. And I love uh, discovery. Um, But what makes me so successful with especially sales and um, people and delivering you know, what I promise is passion. I am so stinking passionate about answering questions and finding people's needs. And I will not give up until the job is done. Um, One of my cartography um, superpowers is quote unquote, get the job done. (laughs) And um, when I ask six people for cartography, like if they could describe me and actually Three of them said, I get the job done in like their own way. So because of your experiences in childhood and young adulthood 
and your tenacity, do you feel like there is nothing that you cannot figure out and do? 100%. And I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I'm not afraid to admit that I need help. And I'm not afraid to admit I'm struggling. And as soon as you ask someone for help, they're actually so excited you ask them. And it's so it helps both parties because then I get something off my to-do list and then they're extra grateful because they're helping me with something that like they're good at. Because you only ask an expert if you don't know something. So just going right to the source. So you've gotten really good at, at you have no qualms about asking people for help. Not at all. Ah, uh, and I want you to think about this. So if you had had all A's in high school and all A's in college and you were the valedictorian and everything came so easy, do you think you would be as forthright in going out there asking for help and not giving up and just always figuring out a way to get things done? Yes, because I believe in myself and uh, second-guessing myself and saying I can't do something is not in my vocabulary. But think about it. Don't you think that you've learned all of that from the adversity versus if things always came super easy to you and all of a sudden they didn't? And I think this is what happens to kids who do really well in school. I, I mean, I have a, several friends who top of their class all the way through and then they got out into the real world and they really struggled because the real world is very different than the classroom. Absolutely. So... What do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Answer every phone call with a verb. Wake up every wake up every morning with a smile on your face. Any job responsibility, any priority you don't want to do, make it fun. You owe that to yourself is to have a, a good life and to laugh. So to live successfully is to go into every situation positively and to prioritize your self-care. And self-care for mm. me, you know, is going to therapy, practicing mindfulness, going to the grocery store, eating every four hours, drinking water, getting eight hours of sleep. Like that is self-care for me. And it was hard for me to understand that I just need my basic human needs met to be happy. Yeah. Because, you know, with ADHD, like a lot of times you don't want to do something just because you don't want to do it and you don't really need an explanation. It just, you know, it, you know, if you don't want to, you're not going to, but mm. you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> okay. So you have to explain to me, answering every phone call with a verb. What's that? What does that even mean? Oh my gosh. Be excited. You know? <laughs> don't just answer that phone call with a smile and that phone call oh, not with so a verb better. with verve yeah like with a smile like uh, yeah. answer it with a smile okay and so that kind of plays into the whole positive emotion and have fun absolutely wonderful what's your number one adhd workaround i would say cognitive behavioral therapy that's a good one. Really good one. So, Juliana, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Can they connect with you? 
Thank you for asking me, Tracy. And yes, they, I 100% can. And that's why I agreed to be on this podcast with you so that I can help younger women with ADHD or any other ADHD or that needs that wants help with like going on a fitness plan, just in a fun ADHD way that just makes is right for you in the ways that I don't, um, just one of anything I can help you guys with. So I actually just created an Instagram just for this podcast because I, I hate social media. I actually hate social. Like I, I, I can't describe how much I dislike social media. Me too. So I, uh, I hate it. Um, but <laughs> I know that, you know, in 2021, the main social media platform that I'm most comfortable is probably Instagram. So I created an account. It's Juliana period evolve. So that is J U L I A N A period E V O L V E S Juliana period evolves. And I'm going to start this page to um, just help other ADHD years feel good. And I would love to maybe make this Instagram account you know, my ADHD manual to like, I've actually wrote articles in my, uh, I'm probably up to 200 pages in my manual now. Um, of course you I, are. I, I know I'm and it's front and back. I, I don't play around Tracy. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I would like to create an Instagram just to help, um, about my ADHD and either helping about po- a body positivity or ADHD workarounds. I haven't decided, but I, by the time this podcast airs, I'll have it up and going. And also, my email um, is uh, Juliana M as in Mary Hawk. So J U L I A N A M as in Mary H O C K at gmail.com. Uh, lo- I would Wonderful. love to hear from any listener. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Juliana, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. I so appreciate you. And I just love that in this short period of time, you have literally completely changed your life. I love it. Well, thank It's all really thanks to you for providing the course and the resources. And thank you to myself for, you know, wanting to be the best version of me yeah. to put those means into measure. And it's, uh, I'm grateful that I have, you know, the determination to, and resilience, resilience is, you know, Never. You, you certainly have that, up. Juliana. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Juliana, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really do help in that regard. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me for free over at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. 
Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.